Your trip to Ukraine, Mick, you know, what is it for on this occasion? Well, this is the third trip to Ukraine, and obviously the war in Ukraine is really intensifying now. What we've been doing, myself uh, and another uh, Senate member, Alan Davis, the Senate member for Blinder Gwent, uh, have been taking over medical supplies and equipment and materials during the cold weather that supports those who are really fighting on the front line in, in Ukraine. We're going as far as Kiev this time, where the materials will be collected from us by representatives of the battalion and the Mine Workers Union. The Ukrainian Mine Workers Union, of course, have many members that are actually involved in the defence of Ukraine at this moment in time. And it'll be, uh, I suppose, an emotional uh, moment for me because it's almost to a year now that I was in Kiev just before the uh, invasion actually started and we'll be there on the anniversary of that. Again, we're not quite sure what's going to happen. Um, there'll probably be missile attacks. Um, the hotel I'm staying is £25, I think, the, uh, uh, but it does, it does have apparently a, a modern, well-equipped uh, bomb shelter, apparently. There are other politicians that are going over as well, and I hope to be joining them and meeting with other Ukrainian members of parliament. But of course, the primary objective is to get urgent supplies over to those who are fighting in the war at this moment in time. Are these medical supplies or what? Uh, medical supplies, but also warm weather supplies for the uniforms, etc., uh, drones, uh, equipment of that type, stuff that is used to enable them to actually defend themselves and to actually fight on the front line. So it's a mixture of equipment, uh, much of which has been donated. We're also bringing over a generator. You know, the energy system in Ukraine is... Uh, dire at the moment because of uh, Russian attacks on uh, power stations. So we're bringing over a diesel generator and of course we have other goods that will be going, uh, being delivered by vehicle over the coming weeks as well. How near to the sort of eastern front are you going to be? We're not going to be near the very near the front. Of course we're going to be in the capital cave. Uh, cave has of course been subject to uh, missile attacks and of course at the start of the invasion the Russian forces came within 10 kilometers of the center of Ukraine and of course there were those various war crimes atrocities that were committed around the outskirts of the capital Kiev. Um, so we, we are several hundred miles from the actual front line itself uh, and uh, we will take all measures with regard to safety but the key thing is is that these are supplies that are really important uh, they're only a drop in the ocean compared to the number of supplies that are going over from sources and supporters from all over the world. So we're making the contribution. These particular supplies have been funded by uh, donations from Senate members across all political parties. So we are there representing all the political parties in the Welsh Parliament. We're going with their blessing, with their support. They were there to take a photograph with us outside with the vehicle that is going uh, only the other day. Uh, and uh, uh, we've had support from businesses and citizens across Wales who basically heard about what we're doing and have contributed towards the purchase and supply of the equipment we're taking. We're setting off from uh, the National Mine Workers Office where uh, we will be loading the vehicle. We'll be travelling to Alchemus in uh, Nantgaru, which is a company that where the staff have been supporting what we're doing and have made contributions towards the equipment that we're taking over. Uh, so we're very, very pleased with that. And from that, we have to get down then to uh, Folkestone, cross the channel, 
you know, into uh, Antwerp, then on to Dresden, then on to Krakow, and then to cross the Ukrainian border and onwards to Kiev. So all around about 2,000 kilometres. I was going to say, that's, that's quite a considerable trip. Do you share the driving? Well, three of us share the driving. Uh, some do more than others. The younger ones uh, tend to do more of the driving than us older ones. Uh, but uh, we, we share it. It's a long arterial route through Europe. So it is a very hard drive. It's hard in this particular weather. I mean, spring is beginning to come, so it's improving. It was very hard when we drove through in December because we had to go through really quite wintry and difficult conditions. Uh, so hopefully this will be a bit better. But we'll be stopping on the way and we will be then when we get to Kiev, we will be meeting with the representatives of the battalion, the Mine Workers Union. And hopefully during the course of that day, we'll meet with trade unions in Ukraine that are keeping the railways going, public services going. And we'll meet with also some of the members of parliament in, in Ukraine. What do you make of reports that uh, seem to indicate that the Russians have started their spring offensive already? Because they seem to be throwing everything in the kitchen sink in the east. Well, the, the death toll on the front line around areas like uh, uh, Bakhmat and uh, uh, other places, uh, Kherson, uh, around that area, uh, all along really what is an enormous front line, you know, something like 800 miles long front line, uh, has, you know, the, the offensive has already started. Uh, the Russians do seem to have very little consideration for the number of people that kill. They have, of course, an enormous pool of uh, people that they are forcing into the forces that they are throwing at the front line. And, of course, Ukraine is uh, a much smaller population by comparison. But uh, obviously the uh, weaponry that's been promised in terms of uh, new tanks and new artillery and so on is going to be a very vital and maybe decisive factor in the war. Uh, it is interesting that Russian forces are making very little progress despite throwing just about everything that they have uh, at the Ukrainian uh, lines uh, and I think the Ukrainian forces themselves are preparing for their own offensive with a view to basically pushing the Russians back. What do you make of reports that the Ukrainians are using up ammunition faster than the West can actually supply it to them? Well it's, it's certainly clear that the scale of uh, ammunition usage is enormous and something that was unpredictable. Uh, and it clearly is something that is a challenge. I mean, we are, you know, I am seeing messages uh, saying that there are shortages in terms of certain artillery shells, uh, certain equipment. There are issues to do with the drones and uh, satellite connections and so on. Now, I know that uh, Western countries are seeking to uh, address that. Uh, Ukraine, of course, is ramping up its own production of uh, shells and supportive material. But, you know, this is a war that I think has taken the world by surprise. One no one expected that an independent sovereign nation would be invaded so blatantly uh, in this way by uh, the Russian forces. Uh, but secondly, no one anticipated the scale of the Ukrainian defence and the fact that Ukrainians were prepared to fight to defend their country. And of course, that means that the necessary supplies of ammunition are absolutely vital. And hopefully those will be addressed over the coming weeks. But what do you make of the fact that we're coming up to the first anniversary and there appears to be absolutely no sign of Russia backing down or changing their strategy other than just battling ahead, really? 
I, I've always taken the view that the only way to peace is to actually force uh, Russia out of Ukraine, and that means Russia being defeated on the uh, on the lines in Ukraine itself, and that is why the supply of modern uh, high-tech equipment is so vital to Ukraine to enable them to do that. You know, there is a, a extreme nationalism at force within Russia at the moment. Uh, Putin is uh, in complete control himself. Uh, he is determining the, the direction of the war, uh, and uh, there's no indication that Russia will do anything other than try to subjugate the whole of Ukraine. Uh, and that means that there's no basis for peace negotiations. There can only be peace, in my view, once Russia has been expelled. And I think it's really imperative on uh, European countries to actually support Ukraine, to enable it to have the equipment to do that and achieve that. And by expelled, do you include Crimea? Crimea is part of Ukraine. There was a referendum in the early 90s in Crimea that it uh, voted to join Ukraine. It has been uh, occupied by Russia by force uh, and is recognized internationally as part of Ukraine. It is difficult to see that there could be a peace where on the one hand you have Russian forces continually on the edge of Ukraine and uh, I, I think it's essential that Crimea is uh, deoccupied, is liberated but also the parts of uh, Donetsk and Luhansk as well. You know, there can be no place for Russian forces within Ukrainian territory. It is only once they've been expelled that it is possible to look at any common issues with regard to security or peace that can happen. Well, Mick, good luck with your trip. How, how long are you expecting to be away? Well, it's a half term. So this is the, uh, I suppose, time when some people take breaks and go on holidays and so on. It seems my holidays these days are really supporting family in Ukraine, supporting the trade unions in Ukraine and doing what, what I can to uh, to help supply uh, those who are actually on the front line who are putting their lives at stake for what is really a, a, a fight for democracy. Um, so, yeah, we're setting off on Thursday, so we expect to be travelling in Ukraine and then back again uh, probably about eight or nine days. So off on Thursday, back the following Saturday.